Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 118, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, bringing you the latest news from the ACHA and AAU College Hockey. It was an eventful weekend, busy week. We got a couple of the guys out down doing some community engagement down in Huntsville, killing it. Herm's got a busy week with the Comets. We'll recap our trip to Athens, but first we'll throw it over to Collins, who's with us tonight. Collins, big weekend for the Ice Cats. Yeah, it, yeah, it was a it was a pretty big weekend. Massive shout out to Dan Ludwig, the Towson goalie. He played just absolutely out of his mind this weekend. We put up like eighty to ninety shots on him. I forget the exact number, and he let up five. You know that that's just unreal. He he's a very talented goalie. I've known him since I was uh, thirteen years old, so it was uh, good seeing him. Got to remind me of the old Bob Hartley camp hockey days for those uh, in the Mid Atlantic. They know about that camp. But yeah, enough about Towson Villanova. How I want to hear about Cuse, Ohio, because that's that's what people are, are are dying to hear about right now. Yeah, well, first off, I got to start. I, I had no idea how many Ohio fans listen to this show. It was so cool getting to see all the Blue Line boosters who have followed us every step of the way. It was, of course, great to be in the building to see Cuse play, catch up with those guys, even though I saw him a couple weekends ago for alumni weekend. But it, it lived up to the hype like. When you talk about some of the best venues in the ACHA, you know, you're obviously going to mention La Haye being up there, you know, maybe the Tucson Convention Center for a packed house against Arizona State. But Bird Arena is up there. It's a legendary place. And to be able to check that out, Tim and I flew in Thursday. We went went to the Blue Jackets game Thursday night. We were the good luck charm there. They defeated the Lightning. Come from behind win for them. That was an awesome barn. Friday, we drove up to Athens. We actually worked we had such bad Wi-Fi in the hotel that Tim and I worked out of Bird Arena all day on Friday, and we just had an absolute time. Went back to the hotel, rested up for a little bit, came back, and we were ready to go for some Friday night action. Cuse came into town. I think they had some some issues traveling. I think they ran into it was like bumper to bumper traffic on the highway for an hour because of an accident. The poor guys didn't eat their team meal until they got there, but they they powered through the adversity. And it was a really good game Friday night, sellout crowd. It wasn't too of a rambunctious crowd. It was an enthusiastic crowd, some hockey fans. You could tell they were on the edge of their seats. Ohio won four to one. They scored three shorthanded goals. The place was buzzing, but Friday night was nothing compared to Saturday. Had an unbelievable day. We started, we came into town to watch some college football. As you guys know who follow the show, Tim Kalinowski, who comes with us on the trips, he's a huge Clemson football fan. We went, we tried to find a place to eat and grab a drink where we could watch the football game. Every bar in town had over an hour wait for food. You couldn't find a table. It was it was the craziest scene ever. Athens is such an amazing college town. The campus just bleeds right into Court Street. Herm's been hyping up Court Street for years, and to be able to experience that was awesome. Went back, filmed some content with 614 Hockey, who was helping us out with the trip. The game was fantastic. I mean, not for Cuse fans. It just seemed like everything was kind of wearing off, and, and Ohio kind of asserted their dominance. Again, another sellout crowd, but this time there had to have been 400 more people. Capacity is 1,200. There had to have been at least... 400 stand people standing around the rink it was a zoo behind the net you, you couldn't move it was an amazing crowd gang green was there who's like the the old student section honestly I, I think herm was like a little disappointed on that friday night because he had been talking up bird arena so much and then saturday it did not disappoint it was everything that herm had talked it up to be you could tell the boys just fed off that Final score ended up being seven nothing and a good weekend all around and, and some, you know, very exciting hockey in front of a packed crowd. That sounds amazing. It feels like I say this every every time you guys go on a trip, but I'm jealous. So but I gotta ask, what what was it like seeing Herman the Wild? Just Herman his natural habitat. Just we'll talk about this when he gets back on, but it was so good to see him in his natural habitat for all of 20 seconds before he opened up his camera bag and realized that he didn't bring any batteries with him from Utica. And so thankfully we have to give him a, a shout out. Arnov, who is our good friend and the Syracuse photographer, helps out with the broadcast. He made the trip and he had an extra battery for Herm. So he was an instant lifesaver. Thankfully enough, Arnov was there to save the day. From there on out, I mean, he was, you know, you would have thought he was running for president. He was shaking hands with everybody in the building, catching up with everybody. He didn't need a media pass. I think his media pass broke within 30 minutes of him being there. He didn't need it all weekend because people were opening doors and patting him on the back all weekend long. So it was awesome to see him there. And then, you know, Saturday night, he took us out with the guys and we got to, to actually experience Court Street, which was phenomenal. I saw the videos on TikTok of the fight. How did that start? 
Yeah, so it was, you know, there are certain players that have been going back and forth with each other all game long and tensions were running high. Cuse honestly did a really good job of, of taking a lot. They drew a lot of penalties after the whistle. And then you can kind of start that to see that to deteriorate towards the end of the second period of game two. There was more and more scrums happening. Whistle blows with 39 seconds to go. And an Ohio player just came and not, I wouldn't even say finish his check on an accused guy it was just like accused defense was standing there i don't know if the ohio player thought that he was about to get hit but he hit the accused player and that kind of ignited it and then an ohio player had like a, a pretty good hold on a accused player and that was when aj finta the accused goalie came flying into the pile and that kind of ignited it again and just when you thought it was going to die down like another player got free and jumped back into it so and it felt like kind of one of those things where the linesman maybe if they'd got it in there a little bit sooner they would have been able to get it, but the crowd was was absolutely loving it, and that that was exactly what they had came there to see. Sounds sounds unreal. And then Max, the Ohio goal, I have to give him credit too because he came flying down with a shutout, and I think he was trying not to get kicked out because he got down there, and the Q schooly Finta was like already on the ground, and and he didn't really do anything once he got down there, and they still kicked him out, and they sent him to the locker room. So I don't even know if he got credit for the shutout, but they gave him the first star of the game and everything. So. Everybody was, was getting a good chuckle about that afterwards. Yeah, unfortunately, you got to play the full 60 minutes to get credited for the shutout as a goalie. It happened to me. I didn't get kicked out. My coach just pulled me with five minutes left to give the backup goalie some playing time in high school, and I, I didn't get credited with the shutout. So, uh, womp womp. There are, there is another group of Bobcats we do have to talk about, and I wanted to lead with this. Montana State. The Montana State Bobcats improved to 14 and oh, over the weekend with two more wins in Utah. Friday night, they defeated Weber State 3-2 in a shootout. It is the first non-regulation win for the Bobcats all season long. They completed the sweep the following night in Logan with a 2-1 win over Utah in front of another packed house. Not sure if there's another hotter team in college hockey right now. I've honestly been kind of holding off on talking about how good they are because I don't want to jinx it, but they're that good. I feel like we should talk about it and We'll see if they get the hockey house bump or the hockey house dump this week when they take on Dakota College Botno, who's coming off of a big sweep against Waldorf. But I know there's plenty of teams undefeated. It doesn't seem like there's many teams that have played more games and stayed undefeated than Montana State. So we wanted to make sure we gave them a shout. But Collins, let's get into some rankings because we're recording later in the week. We have the opportunity to, to digest the rankings here. And you're starting to see things kind of even out in the ACHA M1 rankings. Minot State remains number one for the 19th consecutive week. UCO at two. U Mary jumps up to three. UNLV four and Adrian five. Some big things that stand out to me. Lehigh drops out. NYU drops a little bit. We got Purdue Northwest and Colorado State getting into the mix along with Davenport. Those are all teams that weren't ranked that are now ranked. Iowa State and Dearborn are the only teams undefeated in the rankings. What stands out to you in, in ACHA M1? I really think that Dearborn should be higher. I mean, an 11 and 0 team at, you know, 17 is kind of criminal. Um, I mean, even they played Rochester University last last weekend. And I mean, they still beat them. It was like 17 to 1 and 16 to 1 or something like that. It was Double digits to one. Uh, no shutout, unfortunately, I don't think. And then they tie GVSU number eight. So that just doesn't make sense how they win two games in a very convincing fashion, tie the number eight seed, and drop from 13 to 17. That doesn't make sense to me, but, you know, the rankings, you know, does its things. Doesn't make sense. I mean, other than, other than that, everything else looks pretty much in order other than maybe Iowa State. I'm not quite convinced yet that they are a top 25 team considering they've only played four games. They played Maryville this yeah. weekend. 13 yeah, that's teams, right. so that's would be right. a pretty good test. Yeah, so yeah, we'll see how they do against Maryville. We also got ACHA M3 rankings on Friday. Honestly, there's there's not really too much to digest. These came out right before the weekend started. Grand Valley State is undefeated. They check in at number one. You see Hope College at two. Colby College up in Maine is 4-0, and they are number three to start. And then you got the defending champs, Michigan, at number four. Michigan State at five. Mizzou at 25. What do we see? Purdue at nine. Dartmouth, 11. Arkansas, 17. Some familiar faces there, but honestly, too too early to really dive into those ones. 
Got to get the data and the computer rankings. We did have some breaking news in the ACHA Women's Division One For the first time in program history, Midland University is ranked number one. The Warriors beat sixth-ranked McKendry 2-1 to one on Saturday and then lost in a shootout on Sunday. That goes in officially as a 1-1 tie, though, in the ranking system. Liberty drops to number two for the first time since February 11th, 2019. You'd have to go back pre-pandemic and then a year before that, the last time Liberty was not the number one team in the country, which is an amazing statistic. I'm sure this will just fire them up even more, and they're going to want to go win a sixth national championship in a row. They got a big sweep on the road against Adrian this weekend, so I can imagine that they're probably pretty frustrated. I mean, they swept a top five team and they dropped one in the rankings, and then you see a team like Midland who ties a, a McKendry team and then, and they get bumped up. So it'd be interesting to see how this one pans out. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Again, the rankings working its magic. I'm fully convinced, though, that the algorithm is literally just a little hamster powering a random number generator. Things are going to change, but definitely, definitely interesting. But then again, I mean, how much do the rankings really actually tell you uh, a lot about the league? Yeah, well, that's I mean, the crazy thing is you look at a division like AAU Division One, where all 16 teams are going to make the national tournament. Their rankings basically mean nothing at this point. Binghamton staying at number one. They split with Farmingdale over the weekend. Tampa at two. St. Bonaventure at three. No movement in the top three. And then you got Niagara and Georgia bumping up in four and five. In AAU D2, nothing changing in the top two. Florida Atlantic, they won the battle at the beach this weekend. They defeated UCF in the title game. They're number one at eight, one, and one. High point at number two. And then Anna Maria going from non-ranked to number three in the country. They are four and two on the season. That's one of those dangerous teams where it probably got a decent amount of guys who tried out for the NCAA team and got cut, and they're stuck at Anna Maria, and they're making some noise right now in AAU Division Two. Embry-Riddle falls out of the top 10 after losing two to High Point this weekend, and then we get to AAU Division Three, where Niagara Community College is 6-1. and one. They're the number one team. Tennessee at number two, and then UNH, University of New Hampshire, at number three. Got to give a shout-out to the boys at Stony Brook. They're number four. They're off to a hot start as well again really early on the year basically just numbers at this point but love love to have that conversation starter some notable moments from this weekend miami swept florida state i just want to put that on the notes because i just think that is so cool to say that in college hockey miami swept florida state i mean how how many years until we get that matchup on on the acc network on a friday night in front of a packed barn that would be really cool to see so big sweep for the hurricanes another big weekend for sue they beat Sioux College beat Niagara. Niagara, they were D2 women's ACHA. They moved up to Division One. So two teams that are used to playing each other but playing each other in different leagues now. Begs the question, should Sioux College move up? I honestly don't think so. I think, you know, they just won the national championship in ACHA women's two. Assiniboine had won that for years. I think if they win one this year, then maybe you start that conversation. They would certainly be competitive in women's Division One, but they, they are just so freaking good at this point. And they're an exciting team to watch. And it's good to see them playing some exhibitions against ACHA Division One teams. Wanted to give a shout out to the boys at UM Flint, Michigan, Flint, Michigan. They beat Central Michigan in overtime to snap a nine-game losing streak against the Chippewas. And then a crazy one, Collins. You sent this one in the chat. TCNJ and Oswego basically just take turns slapping each other in the face this weekend. Oswego wins 6-0 on Friday night in their new third jerseys, and then TCNJ responds with a 7-2 win to close out the series. I mean, having, what, seen Oswego four times games in my, you know, four years here at Nova, they always have some hot goaltending, and I was shocked to see that on Saturday night. But massive for TCNJ to to shake up things a bit in the NE, where it kind of looked like this was going to be a season Oswego kind of ran away with it. Got some stick taps we want to hand out this week. Congratulations to Louisville captain Zach Burkhart. He had his 100th career point over the weekend with 37 goals and 63 assists. And Saturday's win over Cincinnati, he becomes the 11th player in program history to reach 100 points. We got to meet him when we went down to Lexington. Great guy. I want to make sure we congratulated him. We also have an NCAA call-up this week. Quinnipiac, AAU Division I netminder Ryan Salmon got called up to the NCAA team over the weekend as an emergency backup goalie. The team informed him this week 
that he'll be staying on the roster through the end of the semester. So we want to wish him a congratulations, basically living every goalie's dream, going from the club hockey goalie starter to the backup on the NCAA team. Hopefully he gets some good swag while he's there. We wish him nothing but the best in his endeavors. And, and, you know, if you're that Quinnipiac AAU team, you're hoping he's back on your roster come January and February when you make a push for nationals. So we'll keep an eye on that. But also want to give some stick taps to the URI men's and women's hockey programs. The boss is back after a refrigeration malfunction at the boss ice arena this fall, the URI men's and women's division one ACHA teams are back on campus after playing the start of the season around the state of Rhode Island. They were playing in Pawtucket. They were playing at Mount St. Charles. They were playing in Providence. They were playing all over the state. And I know we joke that Rhode Island is a small state, but they were going everywhere. Early morning practices, late night practices, driving to away games. They've been all over the place. M1 will host Delaware this weekend, and the women will host D2 Boston University and D2 Roger Williams. So stick taps to the crew at Boss Ice Arena for getting the ice back together and for the teams for salvaging the start of the season. And I bet they're looking forward to some home games coming up. As always, this one is brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is these guys know club hockey. So be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral at OptimexSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod optimx recently released a new feature we're super excited about it's been in the works for a really long time you can now add a team store to the site you can sell tickets merchandise and even make payments you can even sell jerseys straight from the store you don't have to ship them out yourself now optimx will take care of that for you so be sure to check them out use our link optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod now we'll turn it over to our guest this week the boys from Northeastern's ACHA M2 team, Alex Kowaleski and Kyle Wilson. We're pleased to be joined by two members of Northeastern's ACHA M2 team, goaltender Alex Kowaleski and forward Kyle Wilson. Boys, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Thanks for the uh, the invite here. Yeah, we're, we're psyched to have you guys on. Kovi, we're pumped to have a former Hockey House Pod netminder on the, on the pod right now. Yeah, that's a legendary team. Uh, bummer we couldn't get it done over the summer but I mean that was that was so much fun that was my first season playing in the frozen jungle out here and uh, I think it went pretty well it was a ton of fun yeah I have my Q's jerseys framed behind me but on the other side of my room I have a framed jungle jersey that Tony Larkin sent me so I got to make sure I plug that no free ads but we'll get free ads for the jungle on this pod if Kobe's voice sounds familiar it's because he did a phenomenal job taking over the Instagram account over the summer and, and giving us a behind the scenes tour of the frozen jungle and well you guys I mean you guys had a big weekend right trip down to Liberty for like guys like me who like we play at some tiny rinks like you guys are playing in the big arenas all the time like is going down to lynchburg any different honestly like not really you see their d1 team they pack the place and they played right before us they're playing stony brook it's pretty similar just because like everybody left after the d1 game like we play in a big stadium we play at matthews i mean we're playing next week thursday we play at conti uh, versus bc we're playing at the wit this year versus unh so i mean it's, it's a lot of fun to play in those big stadiums even though they're empty most of the time for the you know d2 games you know compared to like the liberty m1 and you know maybe like a keen state game still a lot of fun to play in those stadiums yeah kyle what's uh what's something from this season that's kind of stood out to you i mean you guys seem to be like kind of right back on track to where you ended the year last year i think the biggest thing is we added so many rookies it's like i'm in my second year now so i came in last year we had kind of a smaller class and then we lost a bunch of those guys this year just kind of off the team and so we've had a ton of rookies play games so far, and it's kind of been a revolving door in the lineup, which is uh, sometimes a little bit tricky to like get chemistry with people and whatnot, but um, kind of testing guys out. And now we got three games this weekend, so I think it's you're going to see a lot another lot more new looks and stuff. So that's been interesting. We made sure big big matchup against Bentley this weekend. It's it's one of our games to to watch. Who else do you guys play this weekend? Yeah, we got a FGCU tomorrow. And then uh, Bentley on Saturday, and then we finish up with UMass. Usually with the, the UMass Showcase, we play them on the last day just so that the traveling team can kind of get a head start on their way back home. Honestly, that's one of my favorite things about M2 is that you got like the Florida Gulf Coast usually does a showcase, Liberty does a showcase, UMass does a showcase, and then you get all the teams, the best teams going to head-to-head with each other. But let's let's rewind on the tapes here and dive into your hockey careers, Kobe, like where did you grow up as a kid? Like how'd you end up at Northeastern? I'm from the Bay Area, small town in the East Bay of California. It's just about an hour outside of San Francisco. 
So not exactly a hockey hotbed, but uh, my dad basically, he you know started watching the Sharks when they were a team back in the 90s. And he kind of just kind of got into it, played like adult league, whatever. And that's that's how I got into it. My family's not a hockey family by any means. I mean, now it is, but beforehand it wasn't. So I played for three clubs in youth. So I played for the Tri-Valley Blue Devils out of Dublin through like, you know, mini mites to squirts. And then I played for Golden State Elite for six years. It was a double A program out of Cupertino. And then my 18s year, I decided to bill it down in Southern California and play for the Junior Ducks during that like weird COVID season. And then Northeastern, like honestly, like I lived in California my whole life and I kind of wanted something different. I wanted at least a school that had a division one program if I wasn't going to go play juniors so I could go watch. And then it just so happened that Northeastern has a pretty sick club team too. So just kind of worked out. I went to my first game at Matthews Arena two weekends ago. And, you know, as a, as a kid growing up in New Hampshire, I've seen almost every Hockey East team play and Matthews Arena was on was on my list. Like, what's your first memory of walking into Matthews Arena, one of the oldest arenas in North America? It's funny. My, my first memory is actually back in 2019, I came out on a Chowder Cup team. It was a bunch of guys from LA. And I was like, you know, after the tournament was over, I went and looked at a couple schools. And like, honestly, Northeastern was not on my radar at all. And we like, snuck in the back door to Matthews like it was closed over the summer and it was like I was like oh my god this is an absolute barn like the ice was they were tearing it out and it was just like just looked kind of run down and I was like man like this is a barn but actually playing there now it's it's awesome I absolutely love the place I was gonna say the one thing that they don't let you forget here is that Matthews Arena is the oldest indoor or multi-use facility in the country or in the world for for sports it's like it's literally every trivia question every five seconds it's like my first memory of matthews was walking in there during my orientation week and i was it was like no it wasn't an orientation it was admitted students day and i was literally meeting with one of the club guys that i emailed to like get a kind of quick overview of the team and whatnot because i'd heard about it and they just got plastered everywhere matthews arena is the oldest place and i was like i looked around i was like yeah i believe it like this place i mean we just had construction all summer and we thought they were adding like all this new stuff and renovating And literally, they just put up like a bunch of scaffolding on the outside so it doesn't fall down. So fingers crossed, nobody collapses anytime soon. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I love the barn, but you can tell it's the oldest arena because when you're sitting in the upper deck, you can't see from the hash marks to the boards. You're both of you rolling your eyes at me. There's not many places left in hockey where you can watch a game like that. Yeah, lucky for us, we don't get really enough fans to have that be an issue for them. But you're right. When we watch the varsity guys, it can be an issue. Kyle, what about you? Like, where did you grow up playing hockey? How'd you get into the game? How'd you find out about ACHA hockey at Northeastern. I'm from uh, Arlington, Virginia, which is five minutes outside DC. Uh, so I grew up a huge Caps fan. And I know, remember the first time I told my teammates that I was an 04 birth year, I scared the shit out of them. And they were like, oh my God, you're an 04. But that means I, I was born when Ovechkin got drafted. And so pretty much right after he got drafted, they broke ground on a new practice facility, which ended up being five minutes from my house. So I've grown up just playing at the Caps practice facility my whole life. I literally put on a pair of skates for the first time when it first opened. And then I played there with their house program when I was a mite. And then I joined their in-house travel program, which is like a single A program. And then as soon as I hit Peewees, I started playing AAA with the Washington Little Caps, which were based out of there at the time. And I played there for seven years. My entire minor hockey career was with the, the Little Caps. And so we remember the AYHL. So we would go up and down the East Coast and we were one of the furthest South teams. So literally every weekend I was packing in a car and going Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York. Like every weekend was just a different team in a different spot. So shout out my parents for putting up with that. But yeah, I, pretty much over the years, like you just run in all these people that are kind of Northeast people and they are all talking about all the schools and the people they know. And Northeastern, I'd hear a lot about. And so I took a tour there uh, my last year, minor hockey, just kind of on a whim just to check it out. And uh, I think my parents kind of almost liked it more than me even. And they were like, you have to apply here. You got to apply here. And I was like, let me see what the hockey situation's like first. And I saw that they had the, the club team here and, you know, five straight national tournament appearances is a pretty good sell. So once I found that out and I was like, if I can get in here with the acceptance rate as it is, then maybe that's where I'm headed. I got to ask, like we, we talk about all the time, like how cool it is for teams like UNLV, you know, like they play in the Golden Knights practice facility. Those guys came on. It's like, yeah, like, you know, you're literally going to practice. You see Marc-Andre Fleury walk by. Like, did you have any memories as a kid of like, maybe bumping into OV or Oshi or those guys. When I got to high school, just kind of working 
uh, at the rink. And so you actually see them around a good amount. You're not supposed to interact with them because you're trying to be professional and that's their place of work. But when I was younger, sometimes Caps guys would come out on the ice with us and just kind of skate with us for fun, just kind of being good guys. So the first one that I remember would be Matt Hendricks. So that's kind of a shout if anybody remembers Matt Hendricks. He was sort of like a bottom six guy for the Caps for a couple of years. And he got out there and skated with us and got everybody, you know, a signed puck at the end of the day. So you get players like that, you know, Mike Knubel, his kid Cole is actually my age. And I don't know if anybody's a huge hockey fan out there. They know Cole Knubel is like an NHL prospect now and he's legit, but he used to play in my house league back in the day. And I'm not going to brag, but I was better than him back then. <laughs> and so you see how the tables have turned, but we get a lot of kids of the players kind of around the rink too. So Patch Reddy just came in this year. He was like buying ice for his kids just to go out and skate and whatnot. Little things like that. And then Ovi's kid is always doing lessons and stuff. So you see them around and you try not to bother them. Yeah, with, with me too. I grew up playing at all the Sharks practice facilities. I mean, they have a huge facility now. It's like six rinks. And their AHL affiliate plays there now. But there's this one game. I was, it was like my Michael Jordan flu game. I was so sick. <laughs> we were playing and we were warming up doing dry land in the parking lot. And this is a throwback name, but Adam Burrish comes out of the lock out of the parking lot. And he's like, Hey, do you guys want to come in and see the locker room? And we're like, yeah. Cause we're, you know, we're all like 10 years old and we're love the sharks. He brings us into the locker room and we're walking down the hallway and you know, there's all like the training rooms on the left and the right. And we look to the right and there's just Rafi Torres getting out of the cold tub and just his jock. And he's like, Oh, Hey kids. But like that image is just, you know, like, molded into my mind of just Rafi Torres getting out of that cold tub. And I thought that was one of like the funniest memories I've had at that rink. It's just, it was so random. I was going to say though, the one thing that actually reminds me of what happens with at the cap facilities, there's two entrances, there's the public side and then the player side. And they kind of put the player side at the end of the parking lot. And it's supposed to be like out of the way. But what people will do is they'll go and they'll be like, I know that's so-and-so's car. And if anybody knows Ovi, you know, back, especially when he was younger, he used to have like 15 cars and they were all sick. And so you know exactly who he was in the parking lot. And so people used to like camp out by his car and just kind of wait for him to get out of practice and whatnot. And I think obviously, you know, after a couple of years of that, you get tired of it. You're just like, I want to get in my car, go home. And so usually you kind of give people like, but hey, how you doing? And what, whatever. It was Russian and his dad was like from Russia. And one of the times we were getting out of practice, they were finishing practice and like a bunch of us went outside to try and like meet him. And he kind of gave everyone the cold shoulder. And then this, this old Russian guy comes out, my, my teammate's dad, and he starts like talking to him in Russian. And all of a sudden, Obi's like all friendly and whatnot. So we took pictures with a bunch of the guys. So yeah, just kind of being around them, like you randomly run into them and, and you get those little interactions, which are pretty neat. Well, that's all. I, I want I'm pumped because... I try to keep up on, on Puck Doku. I don't know if you guys do that, but you guys just rattled off Matt Hendricks, Mike Knubel, Adam Burrish, and Rafi Torres, which should help some guys out in the next couple of days. I think, the, honestly, the coolest thing, like both of your experiences is like, you know, DC is, is, was not the hockey hotbed it is now in, in 2004. And you look at those runs that San Jose had. I know we were talking about earlier in the podcast, San Jose off to a, a terrible start. We were joking about which ACHA teams you could have them play against right now. What was it like going from that environment and then you guys go to Boston, right? Like what what are your first memories of being in Boston? I got up here last year, made the club team, stoked about that, getting to meet all the guys and whatnot. And one of the other rookies, shout out Kojo, he has Bruins season tickets with his dad and whatnot. And so he has four right in the lower bowl, a couple of seats off the glass. And he asked me like a couple weeks into the season, like, hey, I got the tickets for a game against the Blues. You want to come? And so it was me, him, and one of the other guys on the team. We all went down there. And I'm used to going to games at Cap 1 back in D.C. And everyone's, you know, everyone's passionate, but everyone's pretty friendly. You know, it's not really a huge thing. And this is the first game between the Blues and the Bruins after the Cup final. And so there's definitely some bad blood going on. And it was pretty physical. And I just remember right in front of us was this group of four Blues fans as a family just trying to enjoy like a nice night. They're all in their jerseys. And clearly the guys next to us had a little bit to drink. They thought it was, you know, a little bit of an affront that there was these Blues fans right in front of them. And the whole game, they're giving it to them. You suck. You know, what are you doing? Take that jersey off. Everything you can imagine. And the other side of us is like a dad and his five-year-old kid. So this kid's getting an education in Bruins hospitality right off the bat. And it actually almost came into like a fight at the end of the game. And the ushers had to come in 
and do a little bit of damage control. But I just remember thinking like, there's no way that would ever happen back in DC. Not a chance. Yeah. I mean, being a Sharks fan coming out here is like culture shock. Like, you know, back in the, you know, early 2010s, like when the Sharks were, you know, a good team, (laughs) then, you know, the atmosphere was, I'd say fairly similar. Like people get rowdy at the games, whatever. Now, like it's night and day. Like the past couple of years have just been so rough. The first time I went, I show up, I have a Temu Solani Sharks jersey, which is, I know it's the most like random player jersey combo, but he did play for him, believe it or not. I'm wearing that around and I'm like, you know, expecting to get like chirped and people are just like feeling bad for me, to be completely honest with you. Like people are saying like, I feel sorry for you, like being a Sharks fan. It's not even like, like Willie said, like you're getting like harassed during the game. Like people are just like looking down their nose at you like, oh man, this guy this guy must be like in a bad place right now. So I don't know. It was, it was an interesting kind of intro to Boston hockey, but games at the garden are awesome. When we went to Ohio this weekend, we went to nationwide arena and caught a blue jackets game. And like six minutes into the game, like people in the middle of the player, just like walking in front of us to get to their seats. I was like, if you did that at the garden, like you would get heckled so bad, you'd get beer thrown on you. And everyone was like, like, Oh yeah, excuse me. Like, coming through like and i was like geez like it is so different everywhere else so i i'm sure that was a culture shock for you guys but i'm curious like your hockey backgrounds how much did you know about club hockey in the acha prior to going to northeastern being from the west coast there's like little to no club hockey out there i think san jose state i went and watched one game one of my old coaches played for san jose state back when they were like i don't even know what division they were and then I think I went to a UC Davis versus Cal game. And I mean, like now it's better now, but man, when I was back in like Bantams and I went to go watch those games, I was like, wow, this is just, this is garbage. And like seeing, you know, where it is now compared to there, it's, it's pretty awesome. But coming into, you know, club hockey, knowing that I was, you know, going from playing AAA with the Ducks, I was like, you know, I was. I was feeling so good and I was like almost about to go play juniors and then I was like, ah, I don't really want to COVID. It's kind of weird. Like I don't really want to like end up at a school that I don't want to go to if I, you know, get like offered something. And I was like, I'll just, I'm just going to school. But then the hockey was just like, all I had in my mind were those UC Davis Cal games from like when I was a kid and I was like, Oh boy, what am I getting myself into? And I show up to tryouts my freshman year and there's 85 kids on the ice. And I'm like, oh my god there's eight goalies and just like the ice is mobbed and i mean matthews is bigger than nhl ice i think it's like 95 wide it's like just shy of an olympic sheet and it was packed i mean there was no room out there and i was like wow like this is like club hockey you know i was because i'm like envisioning in my head like the 12-man bench back in the bay area and i'm like wow this is this is cool so once i made the team like I, I couldn't have been more happy with like where I landed. Like the the level of play is just awesome. The guys are awesome. Just the the culture around it now, it's so different from you know my initial thoughts on it. I think for me, the ACCHL is huge where I'm at. So that's like VT, UVA, those types of schools, and I think NC State's in there and whatnot. And so the first things I really saw about club hockey was those teams and I'd have high school buddies that would graduate and they would just go to school there and they decided I'm going to keep playing hockey. They used to always do a showcase right near my house at a place called the St. James. Yeah. They which, had it um, this past weekend. Yep. hundred percent. And so when I was I think a junior and a senior, I went out with a couple of buddies that were still playing with me just to see our old friends play. Like we weren't going for some unreal hockey experience or anything like that, but we were going to meet with them, meet up with them, see how they were doing and that sort of thing. And you can definitely tell there's the the kind of divide in, in club hockey where you do have top end guys and you have other people that are sort of kind of in it for the love of the game, so to speak, not to not to throw stones or anything. And so you can kind of see like all the different levels, but you start to realize, you know, there's a spot for everybody in college hockey, unless you're a complete stud. Like, you know, we get plenty of really good players and obviously they do well, but there's very, very few times where I've been in a game so far in my club hockey career. I'm like, this guy shouldn't be here. He's too good. You know, I'm like, that guy's a good player, but, you know, everyone else is hanging with them. So that was my first introduction. And then we used to have like the VT coaching staff used to come to our travel games and like talk to guys afterwards and be like, hey, think about club, think about this, think about that. And 
I think a couple guys were considering going there. And I sort of thought, you know, I like the idea, but let me try and find a program out of state. I was ready to go out of state. So Northeastern was a, a better option for me, for sure. Alex, you kind of mentioned it. Like, did did you have a welcome to the ACHA moment after tryouts? Did you have like a, a late van ride somewhere? Was there any crazy wake up call? Any memorable first stories in, of your time in the ACHA? I mean, to be completely honest, like with the van rides and stuff, it was like, it wasn't that bad. But like, I'm used to going down to LA every month to play like a, we had these quote unquote Kaha weekends because like our league was statewide. And then the guys are complaining, like, oh, we have to drive an hour to Merrimack. What are you talking about? I drove an hour and a half to practice four times a week. Like, you got to be crazy. So honestly, like if I had to pick one, I mean, just like first game, it was our second game of the season and I was fully not expecting to play. There were two junior goalies on the team, and I was like, all right, like, ride the bench for the year. It's good. And then coach put me in against BU in our second game, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, what's going on? And just honestly, like, really physical. And, like, you know, the older guys on our team were just, honestly, some of them were just pure dirty in that game. And it was kind of like, oh, my God. Like, what did I get myself into? But, I mean, you you learn to love that type of hockey. And, you know, obviously, like, that type of hockey has a time and place in games. Get the guys riled up if you're, you know, needing some energy. And I mean, that that's what you got to love about club hockey and college hockey in general. Yeah, I think Kobe gets to love that because he's not the one that has to go out there and get his brains knocked in from behind. <laughs> he just gets to sit hey, there I and knocked, I knocked that kid's brain in in Merrimack. I, they ran me over. First they can't hit you back. It doesn't matter. I got a penalty. I, I, I'll stand up for myself once in a while. Willie, you nah. got to... A welcome to the ACHA moment? Uh, like in game or just in general? In general. Like, well, it, hey, like this is the ACHA. Welcome aboard. Like, was there anything that stood out to you? Uh, the first one was really before I even got to campus to start my career here was that admitted students day. I met with a former guy on the team, John Trepo. He just graduated, but he was vice president of the team at the time. And, you know, I'd been emailing him and he was like, yeah, like meet me and I'll, I'll kind of walk you on campus. I'll show you the facilities, like what we get, you know, what's our setup and whatnot. And, you know, the glamorous part of ACHA hockey is like the Liberty facilities and stuff like that, where you got the nice locker room set up, you got your own rink and everything. And he walks me over to Matthews Arena and he's like, all right, we'll show you where you put the bags. And so I'm like, oh, great. We got a spot. It's going to be fantastic. And then he walks right past the door and just keeps going. And right off to the side of the arena, there's an equipment. Uh, And this is a shipping container. It's a gray shipping container. And we throw all our bags in there after every practice and every game. And everyone gets like a little, maybe like two foot by three foot area to stuff their bag and a couple of hooks to hang up the stuff they really want to have dried. And so you get to play roulette and decide what gear do I want to have be dry for the next time I got to skate. We definitely don't have the facilities of some of the other club programs, but I was definitely like, okay, this is going to be an experience. Yeah. I mean, we had it pristine at the beginning of the season, but how many guys do we have rostered this year with like 35 so, I think 34 35 yeah yeah th- 35 bags in that like it just doesn't it doesn't really work so i mean like it, it does the job but comfortability wise i guess it, is, it, it beats yeah. having your gear in the dorm right like that's my roommate would oh say without so. a doubt you guys have a unique experience too because you're at a city school right like what what is the vibe at northeastern because like if from the outside looking in, like what makes Northeastern different from BC or BU or some of the other Boston schools? The glass half full answer to that is that you kind of have the campus style of BC, but you're in the city itself. So you step off campus and you're right by the Prudential. You're right by Newberry Street. Fenway Park is a 15 minute walk. We always like to knock BU because they don't have their own campus. They're kind of just these sky rise buildings along just a street. And then BC is just in the middle of nowhere. They like to call them Chestnut Hill Community College around here. But uh, yeah, Northeastern is really cool because we do have kind of the greenery campus vibes. We got quads and whatnot. Um, There's places that sort of internal to the campus that aren't really a city vibe. It does feel like a college campus. But then you take one step off or you get on the green line or the orange line, which is the train. Uh, You can be somewhere in the city in five minutes. So I think it's a good mix. And that was one of the things I really liked when I took a tour was it did feel kind of like both at the same time. Since we're trashing other Boston schools, I feel like we should talk about the bean pot right now. Willie, you mentioned that was one of your favorite college memories is getting to go to the bean pot, which is like, you know, any kid growing up in New England wants to play for one of the four schools that's in the bean pot every year. That just looks like a time up in the upper deck at the garden. We have a pretty good fan base for it now because we won four of the last five which is like half of our wins all time. If you look at the all-time numbers, we're last by a lot. 
but recently we've been really good. And so I, last year was my first year and I was like really, really in it to get tickets. And I was like, I don't want to miss out on these student tickets. Cause it was like 25 bucks and you get the ticket for both. Like it was really cheap. And so I didn't want to miss it. And I ended up like screwing up. And I told my roommates who aren't hockey guys, I was like, we got to get these tickets. Like, let me just buy them. And I bought like general admission ones. Cause I thought they'd already sold out of the student ones. So I paid like a hundred bucks a ticket and my roommates were pissed at me when they realized they could have gotten them for like 25, but we got there and, you know, won the semifinals. And then the next week we came back around and I ended up right next to a ton of the club guys. And so we're all just in a line in the upper deck going crazy. And the game ended up going to overtime and Northeastern at Matthews has a tradition. When you hit overtime, it's no TOT. So everybody takes their shirt off and the student section just goes crazy and stands up and yells the whole time. And so we just thought, screw it we're in a sea of northeastern students there's like one half section of harvard guys because they didn't want to come on a on a monday night or whatever and so we all just rip our shirts off and there's just a, a shot from the hockey east broadcast just wide angle of the total upper deck and it's just like 10 of us in a row with our shirts off and nobody else everyone else is like a normal fan and we're just screaming like throwing the shirts around going crazy and then we wanted the shootout, and I think we, someone's got a video of us just going nuts and like almost falling down out of the, the yeah. top deck. I have a couple of videos from that. We're going to need to see those. When when I saw that you said no T-O-T, I thought that meant like, oh, if the game goes to overtime, you can't take the T home. That was what I was thinking, <laughs> no T-O-T meant. Nah, I actually got my hand like stuck in the door. I still have a scar. So after that game, like everyone's rushing to get out because it's a Monday night and the game ends late because they got to do the back-to-back. And so it's probably like 10, 30, 11 o'clock by the time we're really getting out of there. And everyone is going to the tee at the same time. And I'm not trying to wait like the extra 15 minutes to get the next train. And so we're sprinting in and I'm trying to like jump the fare right behind my buddy through the tee doors. And I just kind of like get in like this and like the door closed on my hand. So I don't know if you can see there's kind of a scar in the middle of my palm. And that's just it was opened up for a while and I just couldn't couldn't quite get through. And so I ended up sitting on the tee with my hand like bleeding the rest of the way home. So it's a good thing we won, I guess. I would have been pissed otherwise. <laughs> and you got the shot from Nesson. That's all Maybe. you need. Kobe, you had on your notes getting to play against you, Mary, your freshman year at Nationals. What was that experience like for you? Because, I mean, you guys came into this program. And it's like, yeah, like we go to Nationals every year. Buckle up. You better be ready to play. What do you remember from going down to St. Louis? I didn't even play that game. I played against Wisconsin the day before. But, I mean, the difference between that team, especially that year, and everybody else was nuts like the average height on that team had to at least be like six two they were all huge and just like old that was the the craziest thing for me like northeastern we don't get a lot of those guys who go play like three years of juniors and then like take a couple gap years and then you know they they hit the acha you know like our whole team we have two grad students who are 99s and those are our oldest guys and then everybody else is 2000 i think is our next oldest guy and then you know we're going up against them i'm 18 this is my freshman year i'm like and they got two guys on their team they're 94s so i'm like are you kidding me these kids are like not even kids i can't say that but these guys are like 10 years older than me like what the hell is going on here oh that was just kind of like a crazy experience and i mean we put up a good fight i think it was like three to one game and whoever won that went to the semifinals but yeah, that I guess that might be my welcome to the Acha moment. I, I take back what I said earlier. Just like the age of some people in the Acha is crazy to me. And that's the crazy thing too, because I feel like of all the teams that you guys play, whether it's like UVM or UMass, you know, like because it's not the varsity team on campus, like you're not getting those junior hockey kids. Whereas a school like you, Mary, or these schools out West, like Utah State, Weber State, they're getting those junior kids because you know, they are the team on campus. You look at the teams in the Northeast, I feel like that's kind of a difference. Did you did you see that at Nationals too? I think one of the things that's unique for us too at Northeastern is that the acceptance rate has gone way down the last couple of years. I think last year's graduating class, when they came in, the acceptance rate was like 25% or something like that. And now it's down to about six. So the biggest challenge we have is just finding guys that can get into the school. Because we'll, we have like an interest form on our website and we're, you know, trying to grow the Instagram presence and get our name out there because it's harder when they're a varsity program above you. But honestly, people will reach out to us and be like, I'm interested in playing. And we literally have to tell them, you know, get into the school first and then let's figure it out because we can't, you know, get help with admissions to go join the club hockey team. Like that's not a thing. But at schools like, you know, Liberty, you marry, like they're recruiting guys actively to come play hockey. And so 
when you're competing against that, you kind of got to get a little bit resourceful and, and try your best to, to keep up. Like Willie said, it's a completely different ball game when you're, you know, at a school like this versus a school where that is your top team. I think the closest school to us that's like that is Keene State. That's their top team. So they're actively recruiting. But I mean, I think we had a couple kids on the interest form that are like sophomores in high school that filled it out this year. And we're like, dude, like we're not even going to be here by the time you like, you know, actually can like get on the team. So just hold off like it's it's crazy. So it, it, it has been a struggle. I think this year was good. We had like 25 guys at tryouts, which was that was pretty solid. So we had about a 50 man thing on the ice. Yeah, twenty five year before guys. we had like we had like six guys show up. It really depends year to year. What's the feeling between you guys when you go and see UMass win the national championship? I think everybody was like, Oh, it's gonna be you Mary, three Pete. Or you know, if it's not you Mary, maybe it's like a Florida Gulf Coast and then it's a team you guys have played many times and they, they win the national championship. Can we swear? <laughs> yeah, you can swear if you need to. Yeah, it was fucking annoying. That sucked. Especially because, you know, we had a we had a positive record against them last year. And looking at the way those semifinals shook out, you know, we won we went and won our first game. We took care of business and nationals. We ended up beating Liberty after, you know, we knew we were kind of already eliminated. You know, we just had literally a, a bad five minute we gave up five goals. What was it, Kobe? Five goals in like seven minutes or something. Yeah, it was I think it was like four goals in five minutes or something. Yeah. Like and the rest and of the rest of the game was them. money. Like yeah. It was just, yeah, I agree with Willie. It, it sucked. Yeah, that was so, that was probably like, that was probably one of the worst times in my hockey career. I'm not going to lie. Because then, again, like you said, the way it shook out, we would have been playing Indiana, who we beat the year before at Nationals, in the semifinals, and then UMass in the championship, who we went like, I think it was two and one. But yeah, that, that was a real kick in the ass. So I was like, I wonder if these guys are like fired up about that or like maybe there's like a little pride like hey, like a team in the northeast who we did well against ended up winning, but I mean that could have been you guys too. So I'm sure yeah. you guys are probably fired up to get down to St. Louis. I mean, there's yeah. definitely like you know, a sense of pride of being like, all right, a team from the northeast finally won. So that was that was kind of cool to see. But again, when you when you beat those guys and you were that close to like Getting into that game, it, it feels terrible. Yeah, Kobe can speak for himself. I wasn't that thrilled that a different Northeast team won. I mean, maybe I just haven't been here long enough. The Northeast seems seems pretty good to me. Obviously, we don't get a lot of love in those national rankings for whatever reason. Our, our rating numbers always seem to be pretty low. But then I think we did pretty well last year at nationals. So, you know, I hated seeing UMass win, I'm not going to lie. And now they get to have that forever. And it was twofold last year because we kind of saw our own nationals trip kind of come to an end early. And then when we saw how it shook out, we saw that the door really was open. And then when we then watched UMass, they won 4 nothing in the championship. It was just like unreal. Like that could have been us. We were that close and that sucks. Did you guys have a decent amount of New England kids on your roster? Were they pumped to be playing nationals close to home? No, they yeah. hated playing nationals close to home. They wanted to go. They wanted to go on a trip. Yeah, yeah. I know. No, I was going to say we have a we have a ton of New England kids. But yeah, yeah, they Nobody, nobody liked playing at Marlboro. I mean, that rink was kind of a dump too. Not gonna lie. Yeah, Kobe, you're like, let's go to San Jose next year, right? I'm saying let's go to Anaheim. They got the facility for it. I mean, San Jose now, I guess, has an even better facility for it. They got six rinks and a, like a like full blown stadium. Like it's bigger than St. Louis, so it's full. You know, for an AHL team, it's not just for you know Lindenwood, but yeah, somewhere somewhere warmer would be nice next year. St. Louis isn't that much warmer. I saw the post of like. St. Louis for the foreseeable future, but yeah, I think it's in St. Louis for the next like four or five years. Maybe they should throw a wrench in it and take it to the West Coast. Yeah, I don't know. I I haven't been anywhere but Marlboro for Nationals just because that was my first year. But I've I've heard it's a better time in St. Louis for sure. So hopefully we'll get there this year and and we get to have a decent time. You guys, you talk about beating Liberty. Like that's got to be pretty cool. We talked about like the differences in programs when you beat a team like that. Kobe, you said some travel issues this weekend heading down to Virginia? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we thought – so normally our, our travel schedule, it, it's pretty brutal to begin with. Normally we like – so we had a Friday night game, 10, 15 p.m., and then a Saturday game like in the afternoon. Normally what we've done in years past is we fly out Friday morning. We hop on like a 6 a.m., like ridiculously early in the morning. So we're waking up at, like, I don't know, like 3.30 in the morning – maybe three getting to the airport at like four, four thirty, then leaving, you know, 
flight into wherever we're going. But this year we were like, oh, let's be let's be smart about this. Let's go in Thursday night. So we grabbed a nine, I think it was a nine o'clock flight, Willie, right? Eight fifty five. Supposed to be eight and ended up being nine. So first off, our, our the plane coming in was a bit delayed. We were like half hour delayed, right? All right, not a big deal, whatever. We'll be just be getting it a little bit later. Finally, plane comes in, get on the plane, and they're about to close the door. And they can't close the damn door. We're like, oh, this is great. So they're like, we're sitting there, and they're trying to close the door, trying to close the door. And then they come over to the loudspeaker, and they're like, all right, we're going to have to call our technical people in. They're going to have to come fix the door. And we're like, great, how long is this going to take? So we sit on the tarmac for another like an hour and a half. So it's already like 1030, 11 o'clock. I mean, this is a short flight. It's like an hour 20 flight <laughs> we're flying into raleigh and then driving the, the door finally gets fixed around like 10 30 11 and we're like crap like we're we getting in I, I call the hotel on the plane i'm like hey we're getting in late like make sure those keys are ready for us we're still coming i think we landed in raleigh around midnight 12 30 and we're like all right sweet we're here like it's a two and a half hour drive to lynchburg it's not great but it's okay we'll get to the hotel around like three o'clock in the morning then we go to get the rental cars and the lines out the door at 12 30 in the morning we're like what in the hell is going on like raleigh airport middle of the night basically what what's the deal here so the guys sit in line for god knows how long i mean they're calling me i'm i'm thinking in my head like oh my god we're gonna have to get a charter bus like we're gonna have to sleep in the airport overnight like the rental cars aren't going to work out. What are, what are we going to do here? Because our game's tomorrow night. I mean, given we have a whole day since our game's at 10, 15 p.m. But still, the guys get to the front of the line finally at around probably 2.45 in the morning. And they're like, all right, here's our reservation. And they're like, you're not 25. We can't give you the rental cars because we got five minivans because they didn't have any buses or whatever. They're like, what are you talking about? We do this all the time we have the guys who are over 21 drive and we just pay this little extra fee with avis we're like what do you mean like oh we're gonna have to give you suvs we're not gonna be able to fit 24 guys in five suvs it's just not gonna work so i'm you know going like i'm so tired first of all i'm just like what the hell is going on so they send one guy our captain uh tilly Alex Tilner, another hockey house, frozen jungle guy to his SUV. He pulls around and he's telling me the deal. I'm like, oh my God. And then I get a Snapchat video of our other driver, Big Mac, and he's trying to turn the car on and it won't start. I'm like, oh my God, everything's going wrong. This is going to be the latest night ever. Then the guy finally gives up. He's like, we don't have any more SUVs. We'll just give you minivan. Like here, just just go, like shoe sort of deal. So I think we get in the minivans by like 3.30 in the morning and we just rip it all the way from Raleigh to Lynchburg, get to the hotel at like 5.30 a.m. and just pass out. I think I woke up at like 2 p.m. the next day. That was another like, yeah, this is the Acha sort of moment. You're like, maybe next year we'll just play one extra game against BC and drive to Conti Forum. <laughs> Some of the guys are like, why don't we just play UNC? Why don't we just play NC State? Like, why do we have to drive two and a half hours to Liberty? You guys went there last year as well, right? Like, do you guys do any other big trips? Yeah, we do Florida in the winter, like dead of winter. So like mid-February. Last year, it was that weekend where it was like, it was like negative 60 with the wind chill here in Boston. It was brutally cold. The wind was just whipping. It was like minus 10. And then we're sunny Florida, 70. Literally left a couple hours before it got really cold. And then we got back a couple hours after it like finally warmed back up again. So time that one pretty good. Willie, did you have a, a pool story from that weekend in Florida? Yeah. One of the things is because we try and fly at like cheaper times just to save, save a little bit of money, we're always coming out really early in the morning. And like Kobe was telling you with the other trip, and then we fly back really early on Sundays usually. So we'll play Friday, Saturday, and then just stay up after the Saturday game until it's time to go to the airport. So for the FGCU game, the game on Saturday last year ended, and we were out of there around 11 p.m.-ish. And so you get back to the hotel, it's like 1130 or whatnot, and you have you know three and a half, four hours to kill before we got to head to the airport and get on the planes and do all that. And so no one's going to sleep for four hours. That's kind of a waste. You're in Florida. The weather's nice. You're going to go out and, and just kind of kill time that way. And so I think, you know, around 2 a.m., a bunch of guys ended up at the Waffle House down the street from the hotel. And if anybody up here doesn't know what Waffle House is, it's pretty much just anything goes 24-hour diner type of place. And we're all sitting there and everyone's ordering food and just chatting up these 
poor waitresses that are like sitting there at two in the morning with nothing, you know, going on. And all of a sudden they got to help us all. And there's all these random strangers in there. And eventually make our way back to the hotel. We got like another hour to kill. And so like, how are we going to do it? And somebody got the bright idea to go, you know, jump over the fence into the outdoor pool and have a little bit of a good time. We ended up just everybody, you know, full clothes, jumped in the pool, just blaring music, singing, dancing, having a good time, you know, three in the morning. And all of a sudden you get some lights coming on from the hotel and they're going like, you guys got to get out of the pool. You got to like, you know, figure this out. We can't have this going on. And I think with that point, we were like so close to being ready to go anyway. Everyone just kind of caravaned up in the parking lot and we just killed time, you know, running around there for a little bit, taking around the soccer ball, playing some suey. And then it was time to get going. But I think, I don't I don't know if we're the best representation of guests at that hotel. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, for reference, I was just chilling in the hotel room that whole time. I was like with one of the other guys and we were just kind of hanging out and it's, you know, it's quiet. It's like two in the morning. And then I just hear, Oh, 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 coming from the pool. And I like peek out cause we're like right over the pool. And sure enough, it's just filled with guys. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? And then I see the, the hotel manager, like come around, open the door. Everyone just looks and then, you know, scatters. It was so funny. Northeastern Acha just took over the pool, staked ownership. That's that's unreal. We're coming to an end here. Like, what's what's the outlook on the rest of the year? You, you mentioned you have the UMass showcase, Florida trip, second half of the year. Like, what else are you guys looking forward to? I mean, honestly, just continue what we've been doing the past couple of years. Like, if we can just keep doing that, keep getting that auto bid. We've gotten the auto bid the past two years, us and UMass. So just continue to do that and have some fun along the way. So. I think the big goal just for the rest of this year, and I think moving forward, because Kobe and I still got a couple more years here, uh, we're pretty young, is just kind of trying to create the most sustainable team that we can. You know, the the big giants, you, we talked about, like, what's it like playing a team like Liberty? Our goal is to be like them. You know, we're not going to have the same resource base, no question. But our goal is for people to think of us in that way when they come to play us and they think we got to go play Northeastern. So creating a style of play, a good talent pool. Those are long-term goals that I think we're focused on. Um, and then in the short term, it's competing with every game to try and to get that auto bid to nationals to really challenge, you know, at that tournament, because at this point, you know, you make it every year. It's great. What are you going to do when you get there? So trying to stay in the moment, but also looking ahead is, is pretty big for us. Yeah. Looking forward is definitely a big thing. Willie and I are both on the e-board. So just, you know, making the team better than it was before year by year is always a goal of ours, uh, whether it's with like events that we've done outside of, you know, just the games. Uh, we did a golf fundraiser this year, thinking about doing a jersey fundraiser later in the year, just stuff like that to kind of grow the team and grow notoriety for the team in the ACHA and at the school, just legitimize the program and, you know, keeping competitive over the next couple of years. We want to keep that streak going to go to nationals. Well, thank you boys for, for joining us this week. And, and we want to wish you best of luck the rest of the way. We'll be in St. Louis. So we, uh, we hope to see you boys there too. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Appreciate that. Once again, thank you to the boys from Northeastern for joining the podcast this week. Always cool to learn about schools like Northeastern, those teams in the Northeast that played all the Hockey East barns. They go to school in the city, so they certainly have a different experience than maybe some of us other guys. But we'll turn it over to the burgers of the week. The burgers are all ACHA burgers this week. We start in M3, Colby College 16, Thomas College 2. Rivalry matchup up in Central Maine. Colby College coming away with that one with a 14 goal win we head over to ACHA M3 this time in the Midwest Michigan State 15 Western Michigan nothing and then they tie the biggest burg Kansas 15 University of Colorado Colorado Springs zero Collins you may need to put University of Colorado Colorado Springs on this list of teams that might be able to compete with the San Jose Sharks yeah I, I had never never heard of them but I think they're gonna get on there one that just comes to mind, Colorado School of the Mines. That's that's definitely one. They're yeah, a ranked team I mean, right now, though. That's a good that's a good hockey team they got at the School of Mines. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. It's not necessarily as much about how good or bad the team is. It's just more about how obscure the college is. Gotcha. Well, that, that brings us to the games to watch this week. We've got plenty of them. We talked a lot about the Bobcats at the start of the show. 
They're trending in the right direction. They go from 14 to 12 in the rankings. Liberty goes from 15 to 10 with a sweep over Stony Brook. Those two teams will meet at La Haye on Friday night. One of these teams is going to keep going on the right path. The other one is going to fall. Certainly a fun one to watch on ESPN+. Plus. Saturday night, two teams that don't like each other. We got Arizona State hosting University of Arizona. This one is going to be a fun one. I saw they were selling tickets to this game for $20. They're playing at the little side rink, so they can't seat much. So they were charging $20 a ticket, which I thought is insane for an ACHA game. Dude, Ticketmaster is is ruining everything. Ticketmaster finally got to the ACHA. Saturday night, the U.S. Coast Guard Academy is taking on the Merchant Marine Academy in a military rivalry matchup. And then we got Maryville women taking on Adrian College, a top-ranked women's one matchup in the ACHA. And sticking with women's ACHA matchups, University of Jamestown taking on Dakota College at Botno on Saturday as well. Sticking with North Dakota, we got North Dakota-South Dakota on Saturday night, a big border rivalry between North Dakota State and South Dakota State University. And then Friday night, we got University of South Carolina taking on Clemson, these two teams. They played last week. They actually both went onto the ice for warm-ups in white jerseys. Hopefully, they get this one figured out. The second time around, Cox versus Clemson. This one will be at Flight Adventure Park. The game sold out in three minutes, so it'll be a raucous crowd on Friday night. And then another Friday night crowd we can look forward to, Robert Morris hosting Kent State in their annual Ronald McDonald House charity game. I think Malkin and Latang are coming to drop the puck for this one, so it should be. An exciting one. And then we also have our third annual Veterans Cup at the Huntsville Ice Sports Center. Friday night, Auburn is taking on Middle Tennessee. And then we also have Bama taking on Alabama-Huntsville. And we've seen Alabama-Huntsville and Bama go head-to-head already this year, splitting in overtime. So that'll be a good one with a trophy on the line. The third annual Veterans Cup hosted by College Hockey South in Huntsville, Alabama. We'll have to get Fitzy there. Hopefully he's at home this weekend and we can get him there. But some honorable mention tilts, number nine, Indiana Tech, taking on number 17, UM Dearborn. Can Dearborn keep the undefeated season alive? And they'll have a big whack test against Indiana Tech. Hopefully, regardless of the outcome, we'll see Dearborn move up in the rankings. That would be funny if they dropped their first game of the year and moved up in the rankings after playing Indiana Tech. We also have down in Texas, the Longhorns taking on ETBU. And deep in the heart of Texas, two teams on the rise in the TCHC. We also have Maryville taking on Iowa State. We talked about this one earlier. Two teams going to head-to-head, neck-and-neck in the rankings. Iowa State's first real test of the season. How will they hold up? And then we have the University of Washington taking on Western Washington. Saginaw Valley State taking on Hope. Central Michigan women taking on Sioux College. Sunday, we have McKendree hosting Michigan. And then we also have Missouri State hosting Purdue, two teams that are white hot in M3. That brings us to the game of the week, which by the time you're listening to this, will have already concluded. So Collins and I will either look like geniuses or idiots. We'll decide right now. We have Adrian hosting number seven, Niagara, number five versus number seven, two of the top dogs in the ACHA, both with some big wins so far this season. Adrian coming off a home sweep versus Toledo, Niagara with a big sweep over URI. Collins, what are your thoughts here taken? This is going to be a very, very interesting matchup, but I'm going to go with the Perps. For some reason, I really like them. Can't explain why I like them. Might be the fact that they're purple. Big Ravens guy myself. That might be might be a big reason why, but I just think I have a feeling. I have I have a gut feeling that it, that the Perps are going to win. I'm getting some deja vu this week. Was excited when I saw Herm throw this one on the sheet. I do think it's the biggest matchup of the... It's going to be great Thursday night, too. We'll get right to the action. This has given me deja vu, though, because I remember when Stony Brook, two years ago, went to Adrian and shocked him and swept him. Last year, we saw Niagara make the trip out to Adrian. They got a 4-3 win, and they drove home the next day, just a one-game series. Last year, when Stony Brook made the trip back, I think the first game was like 15-2. to I think Adrian is going to come out firing. I think they're they're not going to be caught off guard by this Niagara team. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a close one, but I think they're going to be ready for this one. And the, the dogs are getting the win on Friday night. So that's who I'm taking. Fitz just texted the group chat. He's going with the dogs as well. 
We'll see how this one shakes out. Again, going to be a wildly entertaining one. Alex Herman is going to be on the call for this one. So if you didn't hear David Herman's voice this week on the pod and you're looking for it, make sure you go tune in because they'll play Friday night as well at Arrington. And I think it's safe to assume Herm will be picking Adrian, right? I mean, Tom Meridian's a friend of the podcast, so the head coach at Niagara. So we'll see where Herm lies. I We should be able to check the sheet here and see what Herm's pick was this week. Herm has no pick on the sheet here. You're going to have to give him a hard time about that one, Collins. He's, he's got no pick on the sheet. So we'll, oh. we'll make sure that that counts against him in the record books. Oh, he's got to pick. Got to get his pick in soon. So we'll, we'll see how that one goes. But an exciting week. Collins, I had a, we had a, a DM earlier today from a team, and I'm curious. I want to get your thoughts on this. Somebody said, hey, we want to do a Greek night. What is the best way for us to get involved with the Greek organizations on campus, the fraternities, the sororities, we don't really have any connections from your perspective. Like how do you guys at Villanova interact with Greek life? Well, this is not going to be very helpful to that team, considering the good majority of guys on our team are in frats. Every night is Greek night. The hockey house is technically a, a, a Phi Sig house. I don't, I don't got much great advice on how to get, you know, people out. But we talked about this in the past, though, on on how to get more people out with with like a Greek night. A good way to do it is to do some sort of competition with the price of tickets. You have each frat and sorority come out and whoever buys the most tickets, that money gets put towards their philanthropy. So all the proceeds from the ticket get put towards the the frat or sorority's philanthropy. That's, I think, probably the best way to do it. But then again, I mean, I haven't done something like that. What What do you think? Yeah, so I mean, we didn't have guys in fraternities in my time, but we always had girlfriends in sororities too. So that was a starter. You usually had one person who was the social. They were in charge of coordinating events with sororities sometimes with fraternities too it's always good to have one of those what i told the team is the best way to get them to interact with you is to interact with them so i said you know if a sorority is doing a bake sale outside of their house like get dressed up in your team apparel and go over and support the cause introduce yourself another way to do that is if they're doing like a dodgeball tournament or a basketball tournament maybe you get three or four or five guys on the team again wearing team apparel and you go and you play in it it's like oh wow Look at the hockey team coming and supporting the cause. Then they'll be more inclined to go help you guys out when you have an event. So that would be how I would do it if I didn't know anybody. Again, at at CUSE, we had relationships with the fraternities and the sororities on campus. So it made it easier to set that kind of stuff up. But if I was going from ground zero, that's how I'd set it up. So I honestly love that question because sometimes we get on here. It's like, what is your favorite NHL jersey or what is your favorite walk-up music? Like, it's kind of cool to answer some questions that teams have. So if you have a question, we'd be more than happy to answer it. Uh, feel free to shoot us a DM and we'll get you on next episode. Pretty brief episode this week. We thank you as always for tuning in. Be sure to submit your photos, your highlights from this weekend at Hockey House Pod on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We'll keep the DMs all open all weekend long. We'll tune into all the action. And we wish you guys nothing but the best. We will see you next week. See you, boys. Yeah.